Welcome everybody to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm Joe Questy. And I'm Frank Questy. And the Questy boys are on our third and probably final episode for Dragon Quest Mysteries. I mean, this is probably the last one, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, w- I would say so. Like, that, it's sad that the Questy boys are not going to be around <laughs> much longer, but... Yeah. I mean, unless people tell us all the mysteries that we need to solve... That's we could true. have like, like a series of books, like they have really weird painted covers and the cool names, yeah. and uh, we could do them as novellas. The Questy Boys and the Case of the Missing Clock. <laughs> yep. Except yeah. it's shaped like a slime. That's the only thing. It's just the exact same book, but when they find it, it's a clock. It's a slime clock. Yeah, that makes sense. Also, before we get into all of the all of the mysteries for today, uh, it's Dragon Quest Tact is out. Is out. It now. is. It is, and I haven't been able to play it. I know, yeah, me neither, because it's still, the day we're recording this, it's live, but it's still undergoing maintenance. It was the last time I opened it up, at least. I haven't checked in probably an hour, so, but it was about an hour ago. Yeah, I checked about 30 minutes ago, and it still was. But my my phone on iOS, on the App Store, it says 1400 PST is when it goes live, which Mm. is like 5 p.m. today for me. So I think 1400 PST? That's accurate. Yeah. If that's accurate, then it's then, you know, it'll be this afternoon, evening before I get to play it. But either way, Dragon Quest Tact is out. So that's woo celebratory for everybody who's excited for that. We're going to do an episode on that next week. But today we got to wrap up all the mysteries that are left hanging. So the first one for today, it's technically mystery number 10, is why isn't Dragon Quest as popular as Final Fantasy in the U.S.? People ask this all the time, right? <laughs> this is like, I'm amazed that we didn't actually put this one as number one. That like, this is like the number one question that you'll see on on message boards, on in facts or anything. It's just like people are trying to like, but if it's so good, why isn't it as popular as Final Fantasy? It can't be as good then. Yeah, exactly. I like that's, that that's you're... The public. I like that your jaw is feeling just better enough that you can do Gomer impressions today. <laughs> I can. Like it'll like actually when I when I did that, I grabbed my jaw and pressed into it because it hurt. Oh. I'm trying to keep my mouth uh like if I sound weird, it's because I'm keeping my jaw like clenched-ish where I'm not moving my jaw very much. So I'm basically talking with my lips and it makes me sound like I have a slight lisp. Yeah. Okay. So don't hurt yourself doing impressions today. Uh, the question bars. So why isn't Dragon Quest as popular as Final Fantasy in the U.S.? This is something that you and I have kind of talked about a little bit uh, off and on, but we haven't talked about just necessarily like extensively on the show. So I'm going to share what my answer would be. I know you're not supposed to be talking very much, so I'm going to share what my answer is. And then I'm going to tell you what Square Enix says. And then and somewhere in there, feel free to just tell me what you think, too. Yeah. For me, I think it kind of it really all comes down to to nostalgia, right? Dragon Quest started out big in Japan. It was out for a long time before it made its way west over here. And so because of that, it just that delay, I think, caused it initially. And then you had Final Fantasy VII being like this huge zeitgeist moment in the U.S., Um, Back in, what was it, 1997, right? Yeah, 97. That was like a huge deal. And so I think Final Fantasy saw a huge boost from that and then has just been riding that wave ever since. 
And for me, like, I think it has been when Final Fantasy three was released over here, which is Final Fantasy six, it kind of started what was going on, what was going to come up with seven. Like it was a masterpiece, like people saw it and really, really jumped on it. The same happened with Chrono Trigger too, but uh, it had more in common with Final Fantasy in a lot of ways, just the way it was structured, the combat, a lot of stuff, except for really the art. And they moved that really into Final Fantasy VII and targeted a whole new audience. Seven was was just the zeitgeist that was that was crazy. And I think part of the reason that the Dragon Quest games never got as popular over here, uh, well, the Dragon Warrior games, I guess, is because I've read some stuff about it and graphics had a lot to do with it. I think that uh, the graphics for the time, like because of the delay in it coming over, they even on the NES, they were doing better things with the Nintendo graphics than what Dragon Quest was. Even though it was cutting edge when it was new, it wasn't by the time it made it to the West and there were prettier games and people were just like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, I could see I could see that a little bit. I really think it's just one of those things that like you said Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy 6, which was Final Fantasy 3 back then, were good games and they appealed to especially RPG fans, but Final mm-hmm. Fantasy 7 was like a pop culture moment. It was. It absolutely was. Like I knew I remember in high school, I was 14 when it came out, like it was just as I had gotten into high school and there were people playing it and talking about it on the PlayStation that I knew were not super nerds. That yeah. these were people who were like, have you seen these graphics? Like, it's insane. And I'm like, I know that you don't care anything about dragons. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. Sidetrack for just a second. Do you remember the Final Fantasy 3 commercial? There was like the really bad one that had like clay figures. Mog is like sitting behind a desk and shooting lightning bolts at monsters. And he's like, next. I've next. heard about it. I've not seen it. I actually haven't looked it up. I need to go just look it up on the internet and watch that one because I've seen people reference it. And that was just one that for some reason, when I saw it or saw it mentioned, I was like, I should watch that. And then went back to whatever I was doing. Yeah, you should definitely watch it sometime uh, because no matter what you might think of Final Fantasy seven and Final Fantasy six, the ad that commercial for Final Fantasy three is just is just top tier quality, quality commercial right there. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Like I'm trying to find it, uh, what it is. And I'll, I'll, I actually have a tab open now, so I'll, I'll find that today. It's very memorable. I mean, obviously it's memorable. Lots of people reference it even now, but it's not exactly a great representation of what the game had to offer. Like it kind of seems like a zany, like Animaniacs type commercial, you know? Yeah. And so I don't think it's not exactly a good representation of the game, but hey, it apparently worked. So good job for that ad team. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and I also just when I was looking for it here while you're talking. okay, I found it. But uh, when I was typing it in, I was looking for the Moogle Final Fantasy 16 ad. Apparently I put an X in there and uh, I was like, this stuff looks good. And I was like, oh, wrong, wrong game. Like, you know, (laughs) 30 years later, of course, it looks good. (laughs) Getting back over into into Dragon Quest Final Fantasy popularity here. Square Enix, actually, specifically Yu Mayaki, he's an executive producer for Dragon Quest, essentially said the same thing that we've already talked about. And I found this even in an interview in 2017. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense. But basically, Miyaki said that, hey, Dragon Quest 
Dragon Quest III especially were these huge pop culture events in Japan. So because of nostalgia, Dragon Quest continues being a big deal in Japan. Yeah. Whereas the U.S. nostalgia for RPGs is really more deep-rooted in Final Fantasy VII because that was kind of like the dividing line for a lot of people. And so that's why he thinks American audiences are more obsessed with Final Fantasy than Dragon Quest. And I mean, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense to me. That's kind of what I, what I had talked about thinking as my reasoning for that as well, like in previous episodes. And so, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so whenever I was trying to find like an official answer to this, it just wasn't you and me speculating on it. (laughs) uh, I find this. And again, Miyaki is, I guess, technically speculating here too, because he doesn't know for a fact that that is the reason, because I mean, nostalgia is kind of a uh, subjective term, right? So yeah, it's hard to quantify nostalgia. Yeah. So, I mean, he's speculating here too, but still it's nice that someone like official with the Dragon Quest team kind of has provided that answer, I guess, to, to us. I'm glad that it's getting popularity now, though. I mean, it's and it may just be the people I follow on Twitter, but I'm seeing a lot more stuff just about Dragon Quest in general. And so I think that, uh, you know, 11. Honestly, I've heard more about Dragon Quest 11 than I have Final Fantasy 7 remake that uh, it continues to be in the conversation where remake just kind of faded out. Yeah, I think it's probably an audience thing overall. But yeah. And again, I think it's like probably RPG fans, which is probably yeah. most of your Twitter audience are like Dragon Quest 11. Whereas Final Fantasy seven kind of has more of a pop culture appeal, I guess. Yeah, Does that's that true. Sense? Yeah. So mystery number 11 for us today is does the luminary in Dragon Quest 11 actually become the dragon Lord? So this was a fan theory that we've actually talked about on the show before. You've mentioned it a couple of different times. Yeah. I know uh, because it got a lot of traction about five years ago before people had actually played the game. The luminaries colors looked a lot like dragon Lords. So maybe Dragon Quest 11 is an origin story for this villain. That was kind of people's thinking behind it. And even though most fans have given up on this theory after actually playing Dragon Quest XI, some of them still think he could be Dragon Lord. And so I want to talk about that. Spoiler alert, though, before we get into it. Spoilers for Dragon Quest XI. So if you have not gotten to the end of this game and care about having stuff spoiled for you, don't listen to the next like couple of minutes of the show because there's going to be spoilers. So... This all goes back to the dragon telling the luminary at the end of DQ 11. Like this is paraphrasing. This is not an exact quote, but basically it's like, sometimes I might fall to evil or darkness or whatever. So, uh, which, you know, yeah, cool. So some people appear to think that the luminary does this at some point years after dragon quest 11, somewhere down the line, the luminary does turn to darkness and eventually at some point becomes the dragon Lord. So, I'm going to be a little harsh on this theory. So do you want to, do you want to, do you want to tell uh, your thoughts first here? I understand why people, when they were first given the colors, the first model, all of the, the art, all of it for the luminary, that they would be able to come up with different kinds of theories because the green and purple do traditionally go with the bad guys rather than the good guys in these games. But I think it's silly after playing the game that that I don't think that happened at all. There is absolutely nothing outside of that one reference and some really uh, creative headcanon that people could have on really making that sequence of events happen. 
I mean, I can see the 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 logic on it, but I don't think that given that there are no references to it anywhere else, that the Dragon Lord would even remotely be related to Erdrick or the the legendary hero or anything. I nah. I should mention too, this question, somebody asked us this, uh, Chris asked us this, just Chris, no last name provided. So just Chris, I think, I, I don't think bought into it. I think they were just kind of asking us about it. But here, here's my thing is I, I just don't buy into this at all. But I also, and this is what I told him, is that I also don't buy into Dragon Quest having some set timeline at all. Like, it really stresses me out why some fans are, like, so obsessed with trying to make everything fit into this convoluted timeline. Yeah. And it's one of the things I don't like about Zelda is that they have this weird convoluted timeline. Like, those games work so much better if there's just, like, separate games and sequels and that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, the Zelda timeline makes me want to, like, just make my head explode whenever I read it. I'm like, no. Like, all of this doesn't have to tie together. Yeah. I mean, I get why some fans want to do this i personally do not and so because i'm not i don't think of the dragon quest games as all being on this convoluted timeline i mean yes the earlier games were sequels but nothing after six really appears to be so like why can't we just appreciate these games as standalone adventures with easter eggs i mean they all have easter eggs or you know characters who show up from previous games and all but why does that have to be something more? Why does it all have to be canon? Like, it, and it doesn't. And so I think for me is I'm pretty quick to kind of brush this theory aside because I don't adhere to Dragon Quest games all being part of the same timeline. I never even thought about it until I started seeing some people throwing just these really, really Zelda's a good one. These Zelda like timeline and alternate reality things together. I'm like, why? Like I get one, two and three. They reference one another. I get a le- spoiler here. We're still talking spoilers. I get 11 tying into those as well because of the very end where, you know, he's given the title of Erdrick and it shows the armor of the hero from one and all this. I get that. But the Zenithia trilogy doesn't have to tie into Dragon Quest nine in any way, shape or form. Nobody does this with Final Fantasy games. Nobody's like just because they all have Moogles that they all have to tie together or that just because there's a Sid in every one doesn't mean that that those have to be in the same weird like world because we know that they're I mean, we know that they're not. But I would say, say, I'm going to disagree with you there. I think people and fi- do do this with Final Fantasy. You said do do. I did. And I knew you were going to call me out. on it. <laughs> Always. But I think I think Final Fantasy fans do this as well. Kind of like, you know, there's all the theories about because of Shinra, like the Easter egg that shows Shinra from Final Fantasy X-2 as an adult grown up in the Shinra building of Final Fantasy VII Remake and all this stuff with like the uh, life stream and and uh, what's it called in Ten Far Plane and just all of this stuff. I mean, I think that thing exists. I think maybe you and I just are not exposed to it. Yeah, I mean, I I do not look at Final Fantasy Twitter. Like, it has become (laughs) toxic. Like, I do not look on there. I I love Final Fantasy, and I love fans in general, but Final quote-unquote Final Fantasy Twitter, mm mm-mm, nope, mm mm-mm. Yeah, so I would say say every fandom probably does this at some point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, And maybe we just have more familiarity with it because we host a dragon quest podcast (laughs) i'm assuming that that's part of it i mean we're kind of in the weeds yeah 
We got a couple more mysteries to talk about in today's episode, but before we get to that, it's time for a little shameless self-promotion. You need to give us money because we are so shameless. Give it to us now, give it to us now, shameless. Wow, that was actually a pretty long song for Mr. Hurtjaw over there. It was. I didn't move <laughs> my mouth the, much. What's the Bond villain with the jaw? Uh, Jaws. Jaws? Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it's the same actor. <laughs> It's the same actor that plays in Happy Gilmore. He's like the big guy. Is it really? It's Adam Sandler's boss. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but yeah, he's... Like Shooter McGavin? No, not Shooter McGavin. He's Adam Sandler's boss at the beginning. And like Adam Sandler, like it's been a while since I've watched Happy Gilmore. But yeah, you know, he like hits him in the head a couple of times. What I can't remember Happy Gilmore's job. It's like a moving company or something. I don't remember. Richard Keel. Yeah, that actor, he played in Happy Gilmore. I looked it up. Mr. Larson is his character's name. Mr. Larson in Happy Gilmore. Oh my goodness, him. Yeah, it is. I forgot about him with the mustache and the denim jacket. Yeah. Yeah, because the first time time I watched Happy Gilmore, it was new at the time, and that was back when my brother and I were like obsessed with James Bond movies. Oh. And Happy Gilmore came out. And it was around the time that like ABC was doing this thing where it, uh, where it showed a James Bond movie in order, like every Saturday night or something. That's really cool. Back in like the nineties, I guess. And, uh, maybe get my timeline mixed up speaking of convoluted timelines, but anyway, we were watching a lot of James Bond movies back then. And yeah, that's totally the same guy. That is amazing. So we do have a Patreon. And you can get lots of cool rewards for signing up and joining our Patreon. We also, I did not talk about this last week uh, because they hadn't arrived yet, but we also, we have new mini medals. Woo! Woo! You've discovered a mini medal. What luck! Which is really nice. Uh, They're actually real metal. They're real coins. They're super cool. We like them so much that you and I both got one for ourselves as well. Uh, But those are two-year anniversary gifts for all of our patrons who reach two years with us. That's coming up soon. Yeah. So in addition to getting all sorts of cool stuff just for signing up and joining our Patreon, you get like anniversary presents because we love you. You're like our spouse. Oh, that's kind of creepy. Like, I don't even know what to say to that. There's, There's a joke in there somewhere, but I can't. What is the second anniversary? I don't know. You know how there's always like 10 anniversary, oh, brass yeah. anniversary. I looked it up. It's cotton. The second anniversary gift is cotton. <laughs> Guys, you're getting something better than cotton. You're yeah. getting mini metals. Like you're, that's weird. Cotton? Really? I'm just going to mail cotton balls to everyone once they Please reach. Please do. <laughs> just do it. Man, that seems like a really crappy gift. Cotton. That would be like just giving somebody like a pack of underwear. Like, yeah, does hey, it, honey, do we... I love you. Thanks for the last year. Here, some new draws. <laughs> do people actually adhere to those anniversaries nowadays, though? Like, I, I don't know. know. I don't know anybody that does, but I mean, maybe I'm sure there's still some people who do, right? I'm sure there are. Like, we don't. You and I don't. <laughs> yeah, you and I don't. No. <laughs> we just give each other video games. <laughs> it's true. Like, what is this would be our 12th anniversary of knowing one another this year. Yeah. yeah. But, like... Whenever we made the joke about date night, I don't remember when that was. Yeah, We're approaching 10, maybe. So, oh, we've been in love for 10 years. So, speaking of 12, you said it was 12 years. Uh, mystery number 12. I'm just going to try <laughs> to get us right back on, that, uh, on the rails here. Mystery 12. 
does the hero in DQ1 actually get the title Erdrich? This is something Brad asked us on Twitter, mm -hmm. and I promised we'd do some digging, even though I've played the mobile Switch version of the game like four or five times, the NES version once, and I don't remember him getting the title at all. But in doing this, it kind of brought up the, its own little weird Dragon Quest mystery, which I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, so, so first of all, some people seem to be confused about getting the title Erdrick versus actually being his descendant. Right. And we're talking about the title here because he's definitely his descendant. It says it on the box, says it during the game a bunch. So yeah, that's that's not the question. The question is, does the hero get the title of Erdrick? Not if he's related to Erdrick, because yes, he is. So in terms of title, though, my answer was no, because I'm like, hey, of course he doesn't. Like, I've played this game a bunch. He's He never gets the title of Erdrick at the end of the game. But some people do seem to think so. And after like seeing some of the comments under that that other people left, it's like this weird misconception that people have. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it's one of those things that it's from people who haven't actually played the game where they just know about Dragon Quest kind of from like the outside or maybe they've played some of the games, but not the first one. So they just kind of assume okay. that he gets the name in the first one. I don't know if it's that or what. But it's kind of like that. I compared it to that Sinbad Genie movie that everyone in the 90s like swears existed, but it really doesn't. Yeah, it, it's one of those uh, Mandela effect things, maybe, where it's like it was it was Kazam and it was Shaq. Yeah, but I mean, seriously, growing up, I always remember there being a movie called Shazam that starred Sinbad as a genie. I mean, I remember that movie and then it doesn't exist. It doesn't it blows, exist. It blows my mind. But I totally remember watching that movie as a kid. So for whatever reason, I think that this is Dragon Quest Sinbad Gen Genie movie. This is, <laughs> this is that for Dragon Quest. This is Dragon Quest Sinbad. I guess Dragon Quest 3 is Sinbad's good burger. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I'm not even talking anymore today. Yeah, he's, he's Kenan's uh, teacher in that movie. He has an, like a little perm. I don't remember that at all. He hits his car, and that's why he has to start working at Good Burger. The whole plot of Good Burger hinges on Sinbad. <laughs> Things that I hadn't thought about in 10, 15, 20 years. Oh, dude, it's on Netflix, and Grace and I tried to watch it because, like a lot of people who were you know, young in the 90s, we remember Good Burger being like this awesome comedy, and you okay. know what? It, it isn't. <laughs> Aww. Like, there's still moments that because of nostalgia, we like it. Right. But, but yeah, it's... It is not this like quality comedy that I thought it was. Dang, man. Why you why you gotta do that to me? I know. Why, why I gotta slander Good Burger like I that? I know. Like, <laughs> why, why, why would you do that? We're partners here. And... <laughs> so, last mystery. Mystery number 13. Do new Dragon Quest games really have to release on the weekends in Japan according to a Dragon Quest law? Right. This is one of those things that people say all the time. How many times have you heard this, BJ? Um, countless. Like, it's it's not even funny. Like, it's it's like, why is it as popular as Final Fantasy? Did you know there's a Dragon Quest law? That yeah. It's... It, people say this all the time, and it's just, it's not true. It's an urban myth, everybody. Uh, but just to explain ourselves a little bit better, that's not the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, stop it. The urban myth, it goes like this. Dragon Quest, it was so popular that kids, they were skipping school, people were missing work to play it. So Japan passed a law that said Dragon Quest games had to be released on the weekends. And some people call this the quote-unquote Dragon Quest law. 
Mm-hmm. And now that I've got that bubble up here, I'm going to pop it. Pop. <laughs> no, it's just, it's untrue. Uh, Yuji Hori and Enix did work with Nintendo back then to start releasing Dragon Quest games on Saturday instead of Thursdays, which is when it's tr- their games traditionally released. It was more common to release games on Thursday, but they worked with Nintendo to start putting them out on Saturday. Uh, there's even I even have a direct quote here uh, from Yumiyaki. We mentioned him at the beginning of the episode. Yep. Basically, this is a quote here. Basically, it was the general accepted practice in the industry to have games shipped out on a Thursday, but there were kids who had skipped school to go and buy the games. So we arranged with Nintendo to have Dragon Quest released on a Saturday as a special exception to that. There you have it, right from Miyaki's mouth into your ears. Uh, they did this because Dragon Quest was popular. So yes, that part is true. And because kids were skipping school, that's all true. But there was never a law that made them do it. Japan did no. not pass a Dragon Quest law that said, hey, you have to put these games out on a Saturday or else. I don't know what happens. They throw Yuji Hori in jail. Like what happens? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a like fine him for making like kids truant. It, it did not happen. It would have been cool if it happened, but it did not. This is where the threads, I think, of the urban myth kind of start to fall apart is because no one has ever like, hey, but what happens if they didn't listen to the law? Yep. Because once you start asking that question, it's like, well, what would they do? <laughs> yeah, it's like, how, how, how do you enforce that law? It's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's something Jennifer and I were looking up. Well, a long time ago, we were watching documentaries about conspiracy theories. And so this actually ties in with that. It's the one of the things that debunks a lot of them is the myth of the hyper competent government. It's like, and that's what this is. Like, how do you enforce that? How do you, uh, how does a government who has so many important things to deal with look at this one small, tiny detail like truant children because of a video game? How would they enforce this? It's, it's not something that is realistic to, to expect out of a, a legislature or, or law enforcement. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with that. And and this is a tradition that is continued even now. Dragon Quest Eleven, you know, released on a Saturday. It's true. I mean, there's there's truth to it. It's not what people think, but yeah, I mean, and the reasoning behind it is true. Like you said, like you, it's easier to deal with uh, mass amounts of people on Saturday when they don't have to worry about work or jo- or work jobs and school and homework and all of it. I think it's just one of those things like a lot of urban myths or conspiracy theories where there's a little grain of truth in there that just gets out of hand. And eventually, Mm -hmm. at some point, people spout it out like it's truth. And then it's just it's totally not. So anyway, there there is no Dragon Quest law. We can definitely uh, say this and put a case closed stamp uh, on this final Dragon Quest mystery of the day. Before we wrap up though, I do want to commend both of us because we somehow made it through three episodes of Questy Boys and never sang a Questy Boys tune to the theme of Bad Boys. Oh, it never even crossed my mind, but that that's going to be the outro. Yeah, I just Questy thought about boys, it. Questy Boys, what you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. You just ruined it. I, I said did. we hadn't I, done that's it. That's what I do, man. <laughs> So thank you guys for listening to today's episode. Remember, if you think we got something wrong, you just don't agree with it, or you want us to solve another mystery, then let us know. You can find us on Twitter at DragonQuestFM. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash DragonQuestFM. 
And if you want to talk to me directly on Twitter, you can do that. I am at DragonQuaston. I have a blog. It's at DragonQuestAustin.com. And I have another podcast called JRPGs and Me that you should definitely listen to. And I have another podcast called the geek to geek podcast that you can listen to me on every Wednesday night. I am on Twitter as at Professor Beege, and you can also talk to us on Discord uh, at geek2geekmedia.com slash Discord. You can also contact us at 1-800-QUESTY, which is still not a thing. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Questy boys, questy boys, what we gonna do? What we gonna do? Solve mysteries for you, questy boys.